The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sector. I'm Stuart and I'm a market development manager for Omron here in the UK. And I've made it my mission to help as many manufacturers as I can to minimise the impact of the well-publicised labour shortage. As a passionate cook myself, I have an obvious vested interest in being able to buy food. But the bigger picture is ensuring the UK continues to have a world-leading food production industry capable of sustainably feeding the nation for years to come. If there's anything I'd love for all of you to take away from the next 30 minutes, it's that the versatility of robotic technology can plug labour gaps in a number of different areas of a food production line, but in particular in the packaging processes. If we can achieve that, I'm convinced it'll be time well spent. So, today I'm going to introduce you to three people. Each one of them are responsible for critical areas of their food production operation and have been badly affected by a lack of available workers. We'll run through their stories and how robotics have helped them to not only overcome these challenges, but actually create even more positive outcomes for their organisations. We have Tom, who is a production manager for a high volume confectionery manufacturer. Anthony is a site director at a poultry processing plant and Maria is the overall operations manager for a producer of speciality cheeses. But first, I think it's really important to set the scene of the current situation. None of what I say in this slide will be news to anyone in the audience, but it's vital that there is a common appreciation of the scale and the impact that a shortage of available labour brings to the manufacturing sector. Recent polls by the Society of Manufacturing Engineers suggest that an enormous 89% of manufacturers polled reported having difficulty in finding skilled workers to staff their production facilities, potentially, as Corn Ferry report, carrying an opportunity cost of $607 billion between now and 2030. Now that's a huge number, but what's driving it? Well, essentially, there are two major influences at play. Vacancies in the UK are at an all-time high, as reported last week, and the manufacturing sector is no different. We have the highest number of vacancies in our sector for 25 years. On a global scale, this number is expected to reach 8 million by 2030. The second major influencer is the skills gap. McKinsey estimate that 375 million workers will need to be retrained because of automation and AI, and that's before we consider those skills that exit the workforce before that time period. Coupled with restrictions from the COVID pandemic and its after effects, career changes, work-life balance, it's clear we're in the midst of possibly the biggest challenge our sector has ever faced. So, on to our three friends, Tom, Anthony and Maria. Pre-Brexit, Tom's company was doing really well. Sales were at an all-time high and profitability was really strong owing to the fact that they had several high-value supply contracts with large retailers, meaning that the operation was running really smoothly and with minimal wastage. It was fair to say that all was rosy in the garden. However, there was a problem on the horizon. Tom had noticed that demand was becoming more and more cyclical. As consumers were becoming better informed about the health benefits, or lack thereof, of his product lines, the company's demand curve started to develop much more of a peaks and troughs profile. Capacity had been optimised to this point to deliver baseline volumes with a mixture of automation and permanent labour with the ability to use flexible labour solutions for peak periods, usually around Easter and Christmas. 
Until now, this had worked perfectly as the peaks were pretty predictable. But as consumer preferences shifted, the, de the demand curve became much more volatile. To compound things, the UK's decision to leave the European Union began a slow process of labour migration away from where his site was located, making it increasingly difficult to secure flexible labour to meet the volatile demand at peak periods. In fact, what Tom was quickly realising was that retailers' peak demand was increasing, i.e. the peaks in his demand curve were getting higher, and his capacity to produce was going down. So much so that during the pandemic, Tom estimated that the amount of flexible labour available to him as having dropped by 70% from pre-Brexit levels. This was an extremely stressful time as major contracts were contingent on Tom and his team being able to deliver the required production volumes. So how did this impact Tom and his organisation? Well, as we have already established, the peaks in Tom's demand curve were getting higher, creating a need for him to increase his baseline production capacity to keep pace. The reality, however, was that his baseline capacity was actually decreasing. Ordinarily, this would be a salvageable situation as there was a relative abundance of flexible labour on the market. However, this time, no such option was available. This started to cause a significant amount of tension between Tom's organisation and their fastest growing retail client. The client was essential to driving the future of the organisation, providing the volume increase to justify investment in manufacturing and new product development. It's fair to say that satisfying and delivering on the needs of this client were a key strategic priority. Unfortunately, things weren't improving and Tom and the team missed three really important production deadlines in the run-up to Christmas, resulting in huge fines for the organisation. However, the cost didn't stop there. The damage to his company's reputation within this highly strategic customer was severely damaged to the point that a break clause in the agreement was triggered and the supply agreement ended earlier than anticipated. The net result of this was reduced cash flow into the business which suspended planned investments and triggered an internal strategic reviews. It's safe to say this created some serious headaches for Tom. The organisation was forced to use increased caution towards agreements, particularly those with penalty clauses eventually meaning that five new supply contracts in the retail sector were lost due to the firm's inability to commit to volume targets. The significant time investment from the business development team created a huge amount of internal conflict between production and sales, having a severe impact on Tom's internal reputation. To make matters worse for Tom, his workforce were already exhausted due to having to do the best they can to make up the shortfall. They were making more mistakes and dreading coming into work every day, but despite all of this, overtime was still the norm. Tom felt severe guilt at having to take, to taking his clearly burned out employees away from their families and not being able to give them the space they need to recharge. It was at this point where Tom realised that the level of absences within his team had increased by 30% due to repetitive strain injuries. He knew he needed to do something. 
He just didn't know what. He did know that he had to find a way to increase his fixed baseline capacity in order to reduce his overall reliance on flexible labour during seasonal demand peaks. But how could he do this without having enough available people to staff his lines? So Tom did an analysis of one of his high volume lines to identify bottlenecks. He broke the process down, crudely, into various parts, each of which had some form of quantifiable bottleneck. However, many of these processes were heavily reliant on manual labour and were extremely difficult to automate. That being said, he was able to identify three areas where the bottlenecks were significant and automation was a plausible solution. The first one was initial quality, which was essentially checking the visual suitability of a product prior to primary packing. The second was the primary packing process itself, which, simply put, is uh, people picking chocolates off a conveyor and placing them into a plastic tray. And the final one was the palletizing process, which is picking up boxes full of packed chocolate and placing them onto a pallet. Again, another manual process within the operation. Tom prioritised these three and decided that the primary packing function was the one that would ramp up his capacity fastest to build up some organisational resilience when bidding for new contracts. Using parallel, or delta, robots, he was able to significantly increase the speed and reliability of the picking process, drastically increasing the overall output of the line per shift and reducing the number of trays with chocolate missing prior to secondary packaging. So how did this change things for Tom and his company? Well, I think it's fair to say the outcome was remarkable. There was an increase in baseline production from 80,000 units per month to 110,000 within three months of commissioning. This was well in excess of what he had promised his executive team to secure the investment. In addition, the lost contract prior to the investment freed up physical space for stockholding, enabling Tom to hold a buffer stock for peak periods. Crucially for Tom, this dramatically improved his reputation from a bottleneck to a high-impact problem solver, and he's now being lined up as a future COO of the organisation. His company recently won two new retail contracts where they were confident the production volumes, although challenging, were achievable without further expansion. The overall net value of these contracts was higher than the one they lost prior to the investment and were less resource intensive. So there was additional capacity left over to pursue additional business opportunities without needing to invest further. They were even able to accept stringent penalty clauses and performance objectives. Tom's staff are now much happier and more productive. Those engaging in picking and placing chocolates into trays are now being redeployed as warehouse operatives to ensure buffer stock for peak periods is used efficiently. Absences due to repetitive strain injuries and burnout have dropped by 60%. And most importantly for Tom, his stress levels have reduced substantially and he's much happier in his job. So let's move on to look at Anthony's situation. He is the site director of a market-leading poultry producer with ambitious expansion plans. 
Like Tom, business had been fantastic with a factory extension being discussed to support rapid future business growth. Anthony had a stellar reputation within the firm and was excited about the prospect of taking his team into a new era of success. Furthermore, the company was bidding for a huge opportunity at a major fast food retailer, something that, if successful, would guarantee the investment he needed to expand the factory. However, this was certainly not without its challenges. The contract required a significant increase in volume, so much so that under the current situation, the increase was unachievable without pulling in more headcount. Anthony's boss made it clear that this would make or break their plans for expansion, so it was crucial they found a way to make it work. At that time, Anthony had 20 production vacancies, an unusually high number for a department consisting of 50 people. Many had relocated back to home countries following Brexit. Anthony was under huge pressure to ramp up production and, in collaboration with his production manager, was unable to find any way of bringing in additional labour. To complicate things further, in the last 12 months a further three manufacturing sites had opened in the local area. They were offering marginally higher wages, but they didn't involve handling raw meat, so were often viewed as more desirable jobs than what Anthony could provide. As a result, many of his people jumped ship, leaving Anthony in a tough spot. Churn was at an all-time high and they were spending a fortune on recruitment and onboarding, only for employees to leave after six months. Anthony knew he had to do something fast to ensure he got the investment he needed to fund the expansion of the factory. So how did this issue affect Anthony and his poultry production operation? Well, not so well. They lost the fast food contract to their biggest competitor. Ouch. This was exclusively down to an inability to commit to the ambitious production requirements for fear of crippling financial penalties. Anthony knew that the buck stopped with him and that he could not let this happen again. This sent ripples throughout the industry and the company's brand took a big hit, reducing their negotiation position historically based on stability of supply. The knock-on effect of losing the contract put a strain on cash flow as increased vacancies throughout the site reduced overall output. This also put the planned factory expansion on the back burner, something the managing director of the company was particularly unhappy about. Anthony felt an enormous amount of personal responsibility for the situation and was struggling to sleep due to the guilt he was feeling. He desperately wanted to provide a solution to the issue to enable the long-planned factory extension and secure future jobs for his staff. Anthony was in a bit of a pickle, so what did he decide to do? He needed to ramp up production with fewer people and minimal contract labour. He worried about the future viability of his site and the people that worked there, so he was compelled to tackle the problem head-on. It was clear that automation was the only way forward, but where? Anthony had to identify which areas were going to give him the best short, medium and long-term return on investments and strategically choose where to spend his money. Having analysed his bottlenecks, much like Tom in the previous story, he identified the two processes that resulted in the highest cases of line stoppages. Secondary packaging, which was basically putting bagged chicken breasts into a box prior to palletising, and label inspection, ensuring the right barcode was applied to the right box, again prior to palletizing. 
He was able to secure investment for both of these on a single line, and if successful, full site-wide rollout was promised. Anthony assembled a team of production engineers to design and implement the investment overseen by Anthony himself. They opted to implement a Delta robot to pick up the bags of chicken and put them in a box. Following that, they installed a simple barcode reader mounted to a cobot after the box had been sealed to ensure the right barcode had been applied to each box. This way, inspection of different box sizes is seamless without human intervention and the robot could be redeployed into other areas quickly and easily if required. He decided that both of these areas, if automated and the required productivity increases realized, could potentially meet the requirements of the lost fast food contract and enable them to submit a more competitive bid for future contracts, putting the prospect of a factory expansion back on the table. So how did things work out for Anthony and the team? Simply put, the results were impressive. Within three months, overall output of the factory was back to pre-Brexit volumes, an important milestone for Anthony and the team, as this was the benchmark that secured investment for the factory extension to begin with. It's worth noting that this was a source of enormous pride uh, and optimism for Anthony, as, he as it proved to him that no challenge was insurmountable. But he also created opportunities for his staff to develop into less repetitive roles that had better career prospects. The increase in capacity reduced the risk of taking on new clients and enabled the firm to quickly win two new good-sized supply contracts at national supermarket chains. It was at this point the company leadership began to re-engage on the subject of a factory extension. And finally, Anthony was sleeping much better. He had a much more engaged workforce and eventually did get that green light to expand his factory. Okay. Tom and Anthony work for quite large multi-site producers. But what about the small, independent, speciality food producers? Meet Maria. She's the operations manager at a company that produces speciality cheeses. They're a small, single-site enterprise with a total of 30 employees. The site had traditionally been a staple employer in the small town in which it was located. Typically, vacancies were few and far between as the business was very cautious of growing too fast and had a very loyal workforce. However, over the past six months, the number of vacancies had increased by over 200%. Maria decided to do some investigation to understand the cause of this. Maria's challenge was very clearly focused in the end-of-line stages of the production process. The back-breaking work of manually lifting boxes of cheese from conveyor to pallet and then moving a pallet from the line into storage with a pallet truck was causing a sharp uptick in workplace injuries. Many of the workers had grown fed up with continually suffering with backaches, sore shoulders and wrist pains and decided to pursue alternative careers in a less labour-intensive environment. This problem was now causing significant bottlenecks throughout the line to the point where there was a large buildup of raw material in the goods in warehouse, meaning they could not accept agreed volume quantities from suppliers. Maria knew this would come back to bite the business further down the line in the form of price increases when contracts were renewed, so it was vital this issue was resolved as quickly as possible. So how was this impacting Maria and the business as a whole? 
Output reduced due to an inability to get boxes of cheese from the end of the line to the warehouse quickly enough, causing a build-up of work in progress at multiple stages along the line. This led to production deadlines being missed and a hefty financial penalty being applied. To add insult to injury, the reduced output meant less products on shelves impacting their brand, which at the time was growing quite nicely. At a time when the supply agreement with their largest retail client was up for renewal, this was a less than ideal situation. This caused significant worry for Maria as she felt her reputation was coming under significant scrutiny for failing to find a way to deal with this issue, and if she didn't find a solution quickly, it could be irreparably damaged. So how did Maria respond? As we identified earlier, Maria knew that she needed to remove the bottlenecks at the end of the line pr process to smooth out the issues throughout the rest of the line, but she had little engagement with automation in the past. She found navigating the potential options confusing and overwhelming. Introducing flexibility in the line was critical, but equally as important was being able to absorb fluctuations in workforce to meet a steadily growing demand for their cheeses. Maria sought outside counsel and was able to identify a route forward in two stages. Firstly, she decided to automate the process of lifting boxes of cheese from a conveyor and placing them on a pallet. The throughput of the line wasn't blisteringly quick, about six boxes of cheese per minute, but it was quick enough to compound the effects of bottlenecks throughout the line. A cobot was the perfect tool for the job and she was able to implement a palletizing system that met the business's existing needs, but also enabled a ramp up if required. Secondly, she decided to automate the movement of full pallets from the line to storage before being shipped to retailers. She decided the best way to do this was to put the pallet on top of an auto autonomous mobile robot and have the palletizing system build the pallet on top. This was goods could be moved this way goods could be moved into the warehouse immediately after palletizing without any human intervention at all. Furthermore, she was able to secure an agreement to hire a mobile robot during peak periods for a fixed weekly cost, enabling her to absorb fluctuating demand. So let's look at how this affected Maria's situation. After implementation, the improvements were quickly visible. Removing the bottleneck at the end of the line created a 20% increase on pre-Brexit levels with four fewer employees. This was because, firstly, the employees lifting boxes and pulling pallets were redeployed into the warehouse and able to improve the flow of the raw material, moving it over to the line side process. And secondly, it removed the need for one person to manually take product off the line as a buffer to ensure continuous production upstream. The owners of Maria's company were so pleased with the improvements that they invited one of their major retail clients to view the upgrade. They were so impressed that they renewed their contract there and then at the same terms and they were confident that the supply agreement would be met. No more worries of a price increase. Maria was awarded an additional four heads to form an operational excellence team comprising of two established line engineers and two apprentices. Her confidence was hugely increased and her worries about her reputation were gone. So, Tom, Anthony and Maria had similar challenges, all labour related, but they affected each of them in different ways. As a result, the approach they had to take to resolve, again while similar, were also different. 
Let's recap where they found opportunities to automate to resolve their workforce issues. Tom was struggling with meeting the increasing peaks in his demand curve due to a sharp reduction in the availability of flexible workers. By implementing two Delta robots in a brand new packing cell that automated the picking and placing of pralines into plastic trays, he was able to realise a 37.5% increase in productivity. In addition, he was also able to justify investment in an end-of-line palletizing system to further alleviate the issues he was facing. Anthony was having huge difficulties in keeping up with the production demands of new potential clients, causing major delays to his and his company's expansion plans. By implementing a flexible robotic case packing system and automate, fully automating his label inspection process, he was able to turn the situation around and provide pre-Brexit productivity with 20% fewer staff and enable his company to grow much more sustainably. And last, but by no means least, Maria. She was struggling with hugely increased worker absences due to the physically demanding nature of her end-of-line packing process. She implemented a cobot palletizing system to take the weight burden away from the people on the line, preserving their backs, wrists and elbows in the process. Furthermore, she implemented an AMR system to transport finished pallets into the warehouse, freeing up people to ensure a smooth operation. She saw a drop in absences due to RSI and achieved a 20% productivity increase. So this brings us to the end of our webinar. I really hope you found it useful and were able to identify potential opportunities to solve any workforce challenges you have using robotic technology. Thanks for your time and I will do my best to answer any questions you might have. Alternatively, if there's something more specific you'd like to discuss, by all means, reach out to me via the following methods. The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sector.